Hi everyone, it's Olga Zar from SEO Sly. Welcome to SEO podcast by SEO Sly. Today I have a very special guest, Adriana. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am, I am very honored to have you here. Like I, I love having women in tech SEO here as my guests because they always have so many great things to share and like I, I love those interviews. <laughs> And awesome. I think this is where I initially got to know you. I saw you. I think it was in Women in Tech SEO. On the, yeah, yes. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So for people who don't know you, can you briefly introduce yourself? Like, where are you based? What do you do in SEO? And everything you, you feel like sharing. Yes. Um, so my name is Adriana Stein. I'm the CEO and founder of AS Marketing. We're a holistic marketing agency that specializes in multi-language. So we offer marketing support in 30 different languages with native speakers. Most of the time this involves SEO. So multi-language SEO, this is the majority of our team is in SEO, but we also offer, you know, all the other stuff, PPC, brand strategy, uh-huh. et cetera. So combining those all, to, all together, uh, but my background in particular uh, is in multi-language SEO, and that's actually how I got my start, because um, I'm based in Hamburg, Germany. I've been here for seven years now, but I'm originally from the U.S., so uh, okay. that was my entrance into the SEO world, was uh, the multi-language thing. Awesome. So I want to get to know your SEO story in more detail, so if you can get me back, way back into the beginnings, when did you start, what year, and what was like your first encounter with SEO? Yeah, so it's very heavily tied into my story in Germany. Um, When I came to Germany, I originally arrived to do my master's degree, and (laughs) I had to learn German to do that. And so I spent around six months learning German and we had this like very, very insane university test. It's still to this day, the most difficult test that I've ever taken in my life. And unfortunately I didn't pass it. Oh, (laughs) even after working so hard to learn German for so long, it's such a difficult language. Um, but it ended up being a good thing because after the university thing didn't work out, then the foreigner's office here told me, well, you spent all this time learning German, so why don't you do like content translations or content writing? You know, you're a native English speaker and a lot of companies need that. So you have two very useful languages for living in Germany. So why don't you try doing that? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, yeah, coincidentally, that's basically how I got my start in um, content writing, content translations um, and SEO. Uh, because the first uh, projects that I started working on, they were uh, German to English or a mixture of them both or things like this. And I got um, a very helpful overview uh, for the first year or so, sort of like a crash course into content marketing in general, but also the nuances of SEO. And things kind of just grew from there as I realized a lot of companies in Germany, and not just in Germany by now, but uh, really a lot of the world does a lot of international marketing. Uh-huh. And so there's there's just been a lot of demand for that. And um, hence, that is where AS Marketing as the agency was born. And so that's 
that's kind of the transition a lot of years in a very short amount of time <laughs> yeah that's nice that's nice so so seven, seven years around am i correct seven, seven years yeah okay okay that's nice and this exam was about simply like german language yeah ger german language but it was like it was crazy because i actually wanted to study anthropology but this test uh -huh. had like german statistics problems like understanding okay math and statistics and then oh. describing it in German. And I, I will never to this day understand the point of that for uh -huh. someone who wants to study anthropology. But anyways, it was a good thing I didn't pass. Uh, I ended up <laughs> passing a different test later, which has been helpful for living here. And I've just kind of forgotten the whole university thing. But that's all right. Life has surprises like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. And so throughout those seven years, you had how many few jobs, gigs? Um, so, so I've only worked um, basically agency side. Uh, first, uh -huh. I started as a freelancer, so doing projects for different clients, um, both locally here in Hamburg uh, and globally, so US, UK, for example. Um, and then I just basically transitioned that to an agency brand. And so uh -huh. I've, I've only worked, I can say, like on the consulting or on the agency side. I haven't worked uh -huh. in house. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. Like I also worked in house for a very short time. I think like a year at the start of my, of my career. And then I was always on the agency side, which I think I, I like better. I think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. It's, it's more interesting, more variety. So exactly. in your, yeah. And in your job right now, what is exactly that you do? Like, what are the tasks you, you do, what are the projects you do, like, tell me in more detail, because I, I hope to get some tips from you about what you do. Yes. Um, so a lot of agencies structure things in different ways. So this might not be the same in every ag agency, but the way that sure. um, my team is set up is basically we have me, who is the CEO, who is kind of like the overarching, like quality assurance person. And then who manages our projects are project managers. And they're the ones who are responsible for uh, communicating directly with the clients, uh, assigning different things to the different team members involved, uh, involved in the project, um, setting and maintaining budgets and deadlines, and just basically like ensuring that the client is happy, we're getting results. Uh, and then the team consists of um, what we need on the project. So, it can be various languages, it can be various role types, um, you know, SEO strategist, um, content strategist, content writer, graphic designer, developer, depending on the particular project. And so then our project managers basically report to me and just kind of give me an overview of how things are going. And my role is a lot more focused on the business growth kind of side, like how can we as a brand ourselves grow? Um, what can we optimize in, ter in terms of our like internal processes based on what the project managers are, managers are experiencing? Um, I do a lot of like finance and accounting, which is the very boring side of uh -huh. what I do. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, I'm still quite heavily involved in our sales process as well, because uh, that just helps like kind of having my face there um, for the credibility um, and just like getting the projects closed and over the line before they're handed over to the project manager, stuff like that. So it's, it, 
it's a lot less SEO focused than I started out. So I'm not so much doing like, I'm not really the one like doing a full SEO audit, for example, for a client anymore. Uh, I may just be checking on a project like, have we done the audit in time? Does the project manager mm -hmm. need anything in order to ensure that audit is done on time? Um, has our pricing been set for that correctly? Things like that. Okay, okay, that's interesting. And how many people are there in your company? Um, so we have a, a core team of four people, but we hire in various people depending on the role type uh, yeah. and what's needed for the project. So it, it changes a lot. Uh, as we first started focusing on largely English and German, because that was my background, and then as we've expanded to include 30 languages, then we basically have uh, set people that we work with for specific uh, languages and specific role types. And so it, it's quite a flexible flow, <laughs> which uh -huh, is good yeah. for, you know, yeah. you, that's that's how projects work. Agencies that you have to be very agile. So uh, we, we are basically set up to be as agile as possible. Okay. Okay. And can you tell me how, some of the challenges you have been facing recently or not recently? Some like the biggest challenges you have been facing? Yeah, so I think initially the challenges were to, it's, which really happens with any scaling any type of service-based business, is just ensuring project quality over everything that you do. So no matter how big or small the client is, it's not like one person should get a better level of service than another. It should be that every client that we work with gets the best possible service that we can offer. We are very um, results focused. So how can we generate the best possible results within the conditions that we have within the conditions that the client's business has? Um, and that took a lot of a, lo a lot of things that I didn't expect um, to have to learn, which is things like operations, um, understanding how to calculate finances for a project in terms of like pricing versus profit margin, um, uh -huh. setting timelines for um, very explicit types of projects. So we, ha we have a lot of processes that we run on a repeat manner because we know that they work. And then this helps us just generate more efficient results for the client as well, because we've applied them across a lot of different projects and just setting up all of the processes for that. Um, and so that's, that took a while, that took years of like yeah. testing and um, working with different team members who have really, really made a, a huge amount of input into that and me learning from them um, also in, in just in terms of operations, especially uh, and tr learning how to train the team, what is the best possible way to do that. I think that's, that's been the biggest challenge in the past. I think though recently, uh, now that we've kind of, we have pretty, pretty standardized and optimized processes. Now the next challenge is really just the market. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. We have a lot of, uh, a lot of things have come up in the last months, um, you know, between, uh, the recession between, uh, AI becoming more popular, yeah. uh, between, um, now even recently this, um, bank in Silicon Valley. Um, that's quite an issue. So we, we've been heavily affected uh, because we largely work with B2B tech. So the last six months have been quite an uphill battle just to like 
keep things running, keep the business um, profitable so I can keep all the team members that we have and just, you know, trying to do as best as we can with the conditions that we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Because my next question was supposed to be whether you are planning on like scaling into a big agency in the future or do you want to like stay small? I think it will depend on the direction that we decide to go. Um, so right now we're actually working on kind of revamping our service structure. So I can't say a whole lot because I don't sure. want to like give any secrets yeah, away, sure. um, but we, we may not necessarily focus purely on marketing. Uh, we may start to go um, in some other directions that maybe combine marketing with some other things that kind of take our the, the reliance um, off of AI uh, right now. That's that's a lot of um, what a lot of marketers struggle with, but for sure agencies and, and how we will be tested based on that or compared based on that. And so we're kind of trying to go into a different direction of like, what can we do that has nothing to do with AI? And okay. what can we do that is still very people-based and still apply the knowledge that we have, but then continue learning and continue doing something else that develops a new sort of USP for the brand. So that's sort of the next um, step and how we scale from there really depends on where we go. So it's hard to say. I'm, sorry. I'm just asking because, because I have been a freelance, I have been having my own consultancy for like half a year only like because before that I was like doing consulting and I still had a job now I'm like doing it full time and I'm like simply asking out of curiosity because for me at least at this point I don't think I would I would like to scale I would like mm -hmm. to grow I would like to keep it relatively small with a small number of clients to, so that I can still have a the lifestyle that is not that demanding that I, I have a lot of freedom of course, this yeah. is what I what I think right now. We'll see how it goes. But I think, yeah, I think I will I will probably stick with that. <laughs> but but yeah, we'll see. We'll I can see. understand that. Scaling yeah. is so much easier said than done. It takes a, a lot of testing, a lot of patience, a lot of experimentation to really do it in a way to, to create a business that doesn't overwhelm the founder. I've been on the agency side and I see how some of those like top people, how, how they are usually worn out or how stressed they are because like everything basically yep. depends on them. <laughs> but yeah, that depends. And regarding AI, so you don't plan on adding chat GPT or being chat as like a regular thing you do? like leveraging the efficiency it can offer you or do you want it to make it your like your unique selling point that everything you create has nothing to do with with ai because i think it looks like in the future everyone will be using is already using chat gpt like in their seo yeah. daily work so why not leverage that what are your thoughts on that yeah, so I've done quite a bit of experimentation since it was released. I'm curious to see how the next version of it uh, will work uh, in terms of outputs. It should be released sometime this week, according to the latest news I read. Um, uh -huh. But HTTP 3, the current version, uh, if I can put it simply, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, yeah, to be honest, I don't, I don't find it useful uh, really at 
at all. Um, and uh -huh. this could be predominantly because we are working largely with complex B2B, so like manufacturing, pharma, um, very technical software. So it's not like a, we don't typically work with like a trendy type of SaaS tool. It's more like um, something maybe a doctor would use for a specific process. Uh -huh. or, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a good example, yeah, but it's, sure, it's, sure. It's, it's incredibly complex stuff that's typically driven by a subject matter expert. And that's something that AI simply doesn't have. Uh -huh, and yeah. if you if you try to create content with that sort of process in these industries, it, it just won't work. You're, you're just wasting your time. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a simpler topic, um, maybe e-commerce, like fashion e-commerce, e for example, then maybe it could be useful. It depends again on the application though. We we even have some projects where um, it is e-commerce based, but they sell also again, like complex uh, uh -huh. products that are like 10,000 and up. Um, okay. So even then it doesn't apply very well. So, okay. yeah, so I, I can see like for our specific application um, in combination also with multi-language, it, it's, it's just not useful at this stage. That's not to say that it won't be in the future as, you know, the it, AI learns and improves, it could be. But I think also as an agency, it's really important to establish your own USP. And there's a lot of companies who are just doing the same stuff. They were already doing the same stuff even before AI, and now they're doing even more of the same stuff. And so that's why we are trying to focus ourselves a bit less on doing, I will say like, traditional digital marketing mm -hmm. uh, but but kind of going a different direction away from that that's not even solely focused on marketing so we okay. have some good ideas that we're working on setting up there and that's as far as i can go at this point <laughs> okay okay sure sure and do you also speak at conferences um yeah i note? will actually be speaking at brighton seo this year no. in april awesome awesome and what will, will be your topic how to combat SERP volatility. Oh. So a very technical topic for like advanced people, I would uh -huh. say. If you're interested, come check it out. It'll be very technical. <laughs> yeah. Can you like give me a short preview of the points you will be covering or you cannot really say anything at this point? Yeah, I can say a bit. Um, so the main concept is that now that SEO is kind of like a line item for most businesses. Um, they understand the value of SEO, they've started doing it, um, and there has been a lot of success with it. That just means a lot of saturation. So across industries, there's just lots of businesses doing SEO, publishing all of the time, and Google has to keep up with these updates and make changes. And so it's no longer the fact that you get a number one keyword ranking and then you just have that forever. It, it, yeah. it changes all the time. There are constant changes. And so it's important to look at SEO, uh, not just from like the keyword ranking standpoint, but like averages across longer periods of time, um, really looking at your competitors, um, looking at how Google is A-B testing SERPs and things like this. Uh, so I, I give some, quite a few examples of, uh, what might be causing SERP volatility and then hmm. um, some methods for uh, understanding it in a very data-driven manner so that you can understand how to make uh, optimizations based on that. It's very important that 
you know, we, we get clients sometimes who are, they, they're like, oh, my rankings dropped and like they're in panic mode and do we need yeah. to like, I don't know, redo the whole website or something like, no, 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 no. <laughs> take, take some time to understand the data and understand, you know, what, what may be causing, you know, this loss in keyword rankings and to what extent and over which period of time and review that from a data perspective. And then that'll give you a much clearer idea of, of what changes you need, might need to make, or maybe not even at all. Uh -huh. And can you name some things that may be causing some reasons why a specific search result may be like volatile or, or a search query? Yeah, so one of the main ones now um, is anything surrounding chat GTP because it's a trending <laughs> topic. So uh -huh. Google is still trying to understand all of the search terms uh, and their relevance in terms of other types of information because it's a completely new topic. So it, 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 there's a ton of content coming out in the news and it's changing all of the time. And as things get updated, then there's going to be different SERPs for different uh, search queries because things just change. So that's one of the biggest ones is if you have changes to a trending topic, then yeah, your volatility for your keyword keyword rankings is going to be crazy for this topic. So if you're covering anything um, surrounding a big changing news topic, then that's very common that you see, you know, huge ups and downs uh, over a short period of time. And that's when it's important to uh -huh. look rather averages, you know, look what changes in the news have been, um, you know, impact your content and then only make those changes based on the data and based on the, the information that you can find. Yeah. So regarding ChatGPT, I recently wrote an article about like using ChatGPT for SEO. And one, one day I was like first for ChatGPT, something like that. And then of course yeah. I went, I went down far, yeah. far away, but yeah, this is, this is what I experienced. And, and there was like a huge, huge bump in, in Google search console. So you're saying that we should be looking at averages so is it for example is a good a good metric average position in gsc for example yeah average uh, position average uh, click-through rate over but somewhere between three to six months it, it depends on the topic how rapidly it's changing and also how much you publish and just generally your industry competition as well so at minimum average across three months but definitely across six months, just looking at how that's performing. And if you see these massive ups and downs, where do you need to make changes? If you see just, you know, small ups and downs, then maybe it's a matter of just making a few tweaks and then it can become uh -huh. more stable, or maybe it's not possible to see something stable. Um, for example, uh, I was doing some research on uh, what was showing up for SEO for beginners. And I looked, um, this, this search query SEO for beginners. Uh, and I looked at, um, the SERPs over, I think one week and then two weeks and then a couple weeks later. And I noticed that the top guys are always going up and down. Uh -huh, Why yeah. was that? Because one refreshed and went to the top and yeah. then the other ones noticed the other one refreshed and then that refreshed one went to the top. And so it was kind of always like a yeah. game of just like you know, making little refreshing tweaks. And that was always the one who got number one. Yeah, I, I've noticed, yeah, the same things for a bunch of SEO related queries. Yes. Yeah. 
And though, for example, SERP elements like maps, featured snippets, whatever those other elements we have besides blow links, are they volatile as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because if anyone optimizes for that where you haven't, then they're probably going to get that snippet versus you or the yeah, same yeah. way around. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean like that, for example, they don't appear at all. Like, I don't know, that for a given query, the map pack appears and then it doesn't appear. Like, have you been like searching that as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, that uh, ChatGTP is a good example of that as well, because um, bef when the topic was new, there probably weren't any videos on it, for example. Yeah. So now there would be video featured snippets because there has been video produced. So <laughs> yeah, in that case, it's, it's a trending thing. Does the content exist or not? I think in terms of like location based snippets, like a, a map, it would depend on the search query. So if you're just searching for like, I don't know, pizza hut near me, you're probably <laughs> yeah, it's going to, it's going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll see a map too. in any case, depending on where you are, but you know, th that's why it's so important to understand the context and the data behind, you know, where's this volatility stemming from? Uh, and then that will help you make a better decision about what changes you need to make and when. That's why I, I, I asked about this. Okay. And uh, can you briefly tell me what tools do you use to do these types of analyses? Yeah, so for those that don't want to spend a ton of money on SEO tools, which I wholeheartedly understand, uh, Google Search Console is really honestly the best free SEO tool that you can use. Uh, it, you can check uh, any queries that are, that are driving clicks to your website, check the average click-through rate. You can also do things like checking index and crawling statuses, resolving those types of errors, also seeing um, which countries are coming to your website most often. So I think if you don't use anything else, at least use Google Search Console because yeah. it's free and super informative, super informative. It doesn't draw in third party analytics. It's, it's, it's your own analytics. So um, it should be basically your most accurate data measurement. Um, but if you do use an SEO tool, SEMrush is good. Ahrefs is good. I feel like it's just a subjective thing. Yeah, so yeah. Like switch one more. I don't know that one tool is better than a, than another one there. So, um, yeah. I've also found um, if you're on a lim limited budget as well, Ahrefs has really good free tools. So it has like a free tool suite that'll give you some keyword ideas and just a quick traffic Ahrefs overview. Webmaster tools. Yeah, yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah, yeah. there's some really good free ones. Um, what else do I use? Uh, in terms of multi-language, um, there's a little Chrome plugin that's called SEO Quake that's really useful mm -hmm, yeah, because then yeah. you can get um, you can search for different uh, uh, SERPs based on location and language. So that's also free. You can get actually quite far with yeah. free tools. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so multi-language is your thing. So probably href yes. lengths are something you are really good at. <laughs> is it like your favorite part of SEO? Um, I think my favorite part of SEO is actually more around the strategy creation. So understanding 
um, because in, in multi-language, often this is a part of an expansion somehow. So Germany to the US or the UK to France or uh, I don't know, Italy to Scandinavia, something or other yeah, like this. Sure. Um, sure. And the funnest, the funnest part for me in that is understanding uh, how does the product offering fit within that new market? Um, what are the changes in terms of the target market? What do we need to understand that's maybe different from headquarters versus in the new target markets? Uh, how do we apply SEO within that local market? Um, which is like one of the big things that we focus on is localization versus translation. Yeah. So you can't just take a keyword that has a really good search volume in English and then translate it to another language and expect it to perform in the same way because languages are very nuanced and there's completely different ways of saying different things. And you can maybe find that if you translate it, there's actually no search volume in that new language or that new market that you're looking for. So it's really important to do individual market keyword research and competitor research uh, to understand how that market is performing and then applying that strategy as its own separate SEO strategy. And so I think kind of putting all of those parts together, that's that would be my favorite part. <laughs> okay, so don't translate your uh, pages automatically <laughs> and yes. put tags on them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, summing up. Okay, okay. So now I want you to tell me what does your typical day look like? Like Adriana wakes up and what happens next? Yeah, so after I wake up and finish <laughs> eating my breakfast, drinking some <laughs> coffee, etc. Um, I'm doing a number of things depending on what the focus of the day is. Um, I try to do sort of like three groups of things in a day max uh, because the mode switching is very anti-productive, especially for me. Oh, um, so the same, I have I the same issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, for those that are unfamiliar with that, it's basically like grouping similar types of tasks together into one block. So you don't have to think about five different things within a day and you just have brain overwhelm, um, which brain overwhelm contributes a lot to burnout as a founder. So if there's anyone else here who's listening, who's a founder, that's like one huge piece of advice I can give you is try not to do 20 bazillion things in a day, try to keep it really to like, you're focusing on two or three important things and grouping those together by time. So that's basically what I would do is maybe one day I would have accounting, um, you know, going through and like tracking all of the expenses, um, reviewing our revenue and our KPIs related to the business growth, um, maybe setting budgets, um, making team payments, um, sending invoices to clients, stuff like this. Um, then it might also be another area would be like checking on our internal marketing strategy. So it could be that our, um, our head of marketing, Louise, she might have something ready for me to review in terms of our strategy or content we're producing or a website update, something like this. So I'm looking over that. Um, and then maybe a third thing could be something uh, related to a client, um, probably in sales. So maybe I'm um, working with a project manager to do a proposal for a discovery call that we just had, or could also be um, 
trying to resolve an issue with a current client and just, you know, what's our angle for communicating with the client and ensuring we can resolve it and make everyone happy. So those are kind of like, I would say the three sort of groups of things that I focus on. Okay. And how many hours on average do you work per week, per day? Do you work like seven, seven days per week or do you take <laughs> no, no, days off? No, so yeah. So that's, um, that's the beauty of like, of, of scaling well is, uh, in the past I did work really a lot, really a lot of hours, like every day, like 12 hour days, craziness. Um, but now I'm to the point where I work maybe between 25 and 30 hours. Sometimes there can be longer days with a lot more to do, such as if we have like a big influx of leads, which is, which is great. I would never complain about that. So <laughs> then the week might be a little bit more intensive. Um, while I'm really dedicated to working on the proposals. Um, but some weeks are also really light. Like if we don't have a lot of stuff that's due for clients and maybe I don't have a lot of like events that I've involved in or, you know, a presentation to prepare, then it can be even less. So uh, definitely in the last year, my work-life balance has improved a lot, which has been good. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, talking about proposals, can you share some tips on creating uh, good proposals? Uh, yeah, I think that's something that I will <laughs> maybe probably... not secret, not secrets, <laughs> but just a few tips. Yeah, um, no, I think that's something I'm always working on improving and uh, and optimizing. Um, we never send the same proposal out twice ever. Every proposal we're trying to improve somehow. So. Um, right now, especially because it's very difficult for uh, decision makers to justify investments, um, we're trying to work on how can we improve our forecasting and our KPI estimations, and how can we display that in a proposal more strongly so that it helps um, whoever we're speaking with feel more confident in us. Or uh, it can also be the case that uh, the, the contact we had in our discovery call has to go and actually convince their uh, stakeholders to give them the budget to work with us. And so that's a very important piece is just trying to make things as concrete as possible. I guess that's probably my biggest advice in proposals is, you know, don't mm -hmm. make them vague, you know, give, give a few strategy tips, you know, based on what you want to do for the specific project, not so much because, you know, the client should pay you to come yeah. up with a strategy, but just, you know, make it individualized, um, make it your scope of work and your pricing very specific, um, any sort of KPI estimations, try to make them as specific as you can. It's not always possible. Sometimes the client doesn't have access to sales data and then you have to make some guesses or try to find another angle. But basically in the end, the more specific you can make things, the better because it just, it comes off as much more personal. Uh, and, you know, the, the person that you're trying to work with knows that like, okay, they're really serious, you know, in the sales process of, of working with me. So they're also going to take my project really seriously and be very, you know, dedicated and, and personalized as well. Yeah, sure. And I also like to sometimes include a small list, not full of, of SEO issues that the website is having. So yeah. that they already know, okay, this site needs help. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so SEO proposals, and can you tell me how do you learn SEO? Because you really seem to have way more knowledge than a person with seven years of experience has. So how do you, how have you done this? <laughs> yeah, I, that's a question I get asked really a lot. Probably one of the most common ones is like, I don't know, what resource should I use to learn SEO? And my <laughs> answer every time, my honest answer is, Go work on real websites in real business conditions with real data and real customers. And that is the best possible way that you will learn. I never uh -huh. took any course on SEO. I, oh. I worked only on real projects. And of course I did have, you know, people who, who mentored me or clients who, you know, we, we collaborated together a lot more, like maybe them working more on the content side and me trying to experiment with some things on the SEO side. And uh, I got really lucky that there were some projects that were very open to that. And through that process, I've learned a lot through, through purely application. Uh, yeah. SEO is not really a field that you can, from my perspective, that you can really go and successfully learn just from like studying, Reading, you know, studying university you know you can't read it you can't even go a class can help you maybe but where you're going to learn the most is just you know getting your hands dirty getting in the nitty-gritty yeah. learning what works and what doesn't reviewing real data and that's going to give you so much you know faster route to learning a lot yeah yeah i couldn't agree more <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is also how I started. I but I started with SEO courses, but very very soon after that, I simply started building websites like crazy. And in my first two or three years, I think I built I don't know maybe close to fifty websites, broke them down down, and nice. this is actually where and how I I think I learned the practical part of SEO. Okay, so uh, what else did I want to ask you? If you were to give some tips or one final tip for women who are now having their own SEO consultancies, SEO companies, agencies, what would be your number one tip or number or top three tips? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest thing is just try to always learn as much as you can. So you have a really great skill set that you can then apply to different projects. And then when you do have successes on those projects, then celebrate them and, you know, you use that for your own leverage, whether you work agency side or in-house, you know, like tell everyone, <laughs> tell everyone <laughs> that you are successful and, you know, you'll, you'll keep getting those opportunities to go bigger and go bigger. And that's how you can ask for more money. That's how you can get promotions you know, get in more senior roles, uh, have more say in how a project runs. It's really just, you know, giving yourself the chance to learn everything and learn from other people as much as you can. So don't be afraid, you know, if someone gives you, you know, this task, like try this out, say yes to it, say yes to it, take the chance to learn. That's how I learned. I said yes to everything so I could try <laughs> it and learn it. Yeah. And now I'm to the point where I run an agency. So uh, that nice have that mentality, you know, of course, don't get taken advantage of, but if you have an, you know, have a, a, some sort of success, then use that to make your next project even better and get paid even more or, you know, get more responsibility or get a promotion and just don't be afraid of like celebrating yourself. <laughs> 
Okay, and the, the tip on what uh, we should be avoiding? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think in terms of things to avoid, I guess it goes back to what we discussed with learning SEO um, or really anything in business, to be honest, like spending too much time reading, just like get into an actual project and try to you know, get a real learning experience and you're going to learn so quickly. I think a person can absolutely become quite experienced in SEO within a few years. If all of the random stuff that you don't need <laughs> is cut <laughs> out and you just work on real projects. So uh -huh, just, yeah, yeah, don't waste a ton of time, like reading every article in Moz or something like that, like go work on a real project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. And who are you going to give a shout out to? So I have two people. Um, for sure, I can't miss uh, Avish Abu Ali. She's uh, the founder of the Women in Tech SEO community. It's a really, really amazing community um, that offers free mentoring, um, networking opportunities. There was just a conference recently. I was unfortunately sick and unable to attend, but I did last year and it's awesome. And just all of the the empowerment and the building each other up in this group, it's, I've never seen another community specifically for women that does that so well, like this community. And it's really all thanks to her and her constantly standing up for women, you know, not to do unpaid work and unpaid yeah. speaking and, you know, I things like it. this. And I, I love it so much. And so if you're, if you're just starting out or really no matter where you are, in SEO or even just in marketing, uh, this is probably the top community that you can be in and just there's a ton of support there. Um, and I think in terms of the person to follow, um, someone I've recently been following quite uh, heavily is Andrew Holland. Uh, he also works uh, agency side but has a ton of experience in SEO and he has really, really helpful vis visuals that simplify mm -hmm. a lot of complex stuff in SEO. And he is very good at describing things with like very realistic perspective. And so if you're in the process of learning or you want to, you know, make a sort of um, business case, if you're working in house and you need to improve on SEO or you, you want to um, tie it back to business results, then um, he's really helpful. Just read through his posts and he's got some really great advice there. Okay. Okay. Thanks. And where can people find you and follow you? Do you share a lot on social media or? Yes. Um, so I've taken a bit of a break from LinkedIn lately, um, has a relation to do with that. We're revamping our brand. And so I'm a bit more focused on that right now, but typically I do post more on LinkedIn. That's the best place to find me. If you'd ever like to ask a question and chat, feel free to send me a message. Um, I'm, I'm also on Twitter. So those two places are the best way to reach me basically. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so Adriana, thank you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really learned a lot and I think other people did too. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. So thanks everyone and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Thanks everyone. Bye.